Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Middle of the Road, the podcast. This week, we are discussing a 2010 flashback. Back on that flashback train after a brief new release. Though we might do a couple more. But, um, yeah, this week is a flashback to 2010 to discuss Scott Pilgrim vs. The World. Uh, this film was picked by Ben. I can give a quick download on the movie. It's an adaptation of Brian Lee O'Malley's first three novels. And then uh, the Edgar Wright and I don't know the other writer's name off the top of my head. They worked with O'Malley when they figured out the rest of the script. Michael they went McCall. off O'Malley's outlines. Uh, there you go. But O'Malley himself admits he, you know, he, he made changes well after they shot this movie to the outline that was shared with Wright and Bacall. So the first three section, the first three evil exes in this movie uh, follow pretty closely to the books. And since I know at least two of our friends here, we read a lot of the books before this. I imagine we might be talking about that a lot. I think all of us have read the graphic novels. Ben hasn't. Except I have for not. Ben. Which I am shocked when you said that last night. Yeah, I am quite shooketh. Especially considering how much you like this movie, or liked it. I don't know how you feel this time, but... <laughs> I think he still likes it. But this film, yeah, was Edgar Wright's third feature. First feature away from um, the first two he did with Nick Frost and Simon Pegg, writing both of those with Pegg. And, uh, yeah, was seemed to be highly anticipated. Uh, stars Michael Sarah, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, uh, Kieran Calkin, Jason Swartzman... Chris Evans, Allison Brandon Pill. Ralph, Allison Pill, Anna Kendrick, Anna Kendrick, Aubrey, Aubrey Plaza. Plaza. Uh, who plays Knives Chow? Um, Ellen was Ellen Wong, I and, think. Well, who's the Oscar winner? Ellen We're Wong. forgetting Captain Marvel. Yeah, uh, Brie, Brie, Brie Larson. Oh, Brie Larson. Larson. There you go. Yeah. I couldn't think of her name. <laughs> did we say Brandon Ruth as well? Yeah, I did. Is it Ruth or Ralph? Ralph. Yes. <laughs> 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 but yeah, so I think we can all agree he assembled an all-star cast, and I'm going to let Ben go, and since we've been teasing whether he still likes it or not, Ben, tell us why you picked Scott Pilgrim, what you still think about it, and we can go from there. Uh, about a year ago, I actually included Scott Pilgrim vs. the World on my 30 favorite movies of all time. Oh, that's right. That still belongs there, because it is amazing. Because, I mean, it's and it's definitely kind of niche where, like, it has all these different things. Like, you know, retro-style video game aesthetic. It's got, you know, pretty weird music. It's got this superhero kind of theme to it whoa, as well. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What, what, what is the weird music? Like, the songs they actually play? The, 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 the score? What are you referring to there? Yeah, okay, so there's a lot of different music. But, I mean, some of it is... Yeah. Uh, I guess it's just more the visuals that accompany it too, but yeah, like I've mm. I've always like the soundtrack has always been a unique one to me, even though it's not it doesn't sound wholly original. Like it's great. But I also like in my head I'm always thinking of like, you know, laser dragons and gorillas beating the shit out of each other when I hear <laughs> this soundtrack, so uh there's that. Um I've been a Michael Sarah fan since Arrested Development. Like I, but it, it, it's such a it's such a weird. The character of of Scott Pilgrim again. I haven't read the books, but the character in this movie is such an odd guy, um, and it's such a strange world. And I love 
I love everything about it. There's nothing in this movie that I would really change. Uh, I think the the writing is uh, phenomenal. The humor, like it's it's kind of like Tropic Thunder, where you have this cast of incredibly talented actors, both comedic and non comedic, who elevate this already stellar writing to like even further heights. And I just overall, I absolutely love this movie. I think you need to read the uh, books this weekend. <laughs> or buy the whole set, the beautiful hardbound. I, I, I did. Okay, there I wanted to get the color one so bad. Okay. Well, we need to but I can we'll start a GoFundMe about so Lauren can buy physical copies that you can't see, but I have it. I got it signed at Comic Con. Come on, what are you doing? Oh. Pretend it's there. There's a signature on the <laughs> That's awesome. I, uh, I went to the. The release party for that. I, I guess that must have in been Toronto. In Toronto, yeah. So, like, I, I'm assuming Momali was there? I, th- I think so. I forget. All right, this I, so is a fail actually... on your part that you went to the release party and didn't even know well, if the so... guy was there who wrote the book. <laughs> so, I was, so, I went there with a buddy of mine who, at the time, was way more into it than me, I think. Um, and just more into, like... I think he recognized, like, sort of, or appreciated, like, what that, what it meant and, like, kind of how unique of an experience that was. It was, but it was, yeah, it was cool. Like, they had a, first of all, it was right by Honest Ed's, which is, um, uh, tragically not included in, well, I guess you get a, you get an outside shot of it in the, in the film. If this um, podcast was, turns into a Toronto oh, memory will. lane, I'm going to be really pissed <laughs> like, off. This, this film represents three fandoms. Video games, music, <laughs> Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so it was right on that street corner or whatever. They had a costume contest. Um, there at there was a pizza place or like a... It was a restaurant like right across the street that was... And this the, was a week before the movie came out, right? I guess so, yeah. yeah Maybe roughly. it was before. I forget. I forgot the timeline. Uh, but they had the soundtrack to the movie playing uh, in the restaurant. Nice. Yeah, it was just a really fun time. I feel like it might have been, like, the same week. I feel like Lauren, like, got an early copy at Comic-Con, it sent, if I remember correctly. Because I think I saw the movie at a press screening, and then I read the sixth book, and then I saw the movie again, like, the opening weekend. Did anybody read O'Malley's follow-up I own novel it, but I haven't read one? it. It is really, really good. I think it's actually better than Scott Pilgrim. And it's also a beautiful book. And yeah, it's similar art style um, to the Scott Pilgrim, where his newest book, which I only have the first, um, like, what do you call it when they assemble, like, the first five trades into well, one. Like an omnibus? Yeah, but it's, only, it's not... It's not like as big as that, but it's, it's the first five issues. Volume. Yeah. Volume. Um, oh, just a volume. I only have I that you were a volume. About, like, yeah. Volumes collected or something. No, I guess it's one volume. Uh, the art is why. Well, you can <laughs> kind of tell it's him. It is like uh, it's a new art style, but um, but seconds. I highly recommend you read seconds. I believe is the name of it. If you haven't, I don't know. We ended up on a wide tangent. Ben, did you say everything? You yes, you did. John then was on a road. This is why I started talking. I was trying to derail John's Toronto. Uh, flashback. So, John, mission tell us a accomplished. About Toronto. Oh. <laughs> about Toronto? Um, no, you were talking about the yeah. book signing and 
your buddy was more in or the opening the yeah so so one thing that was interesting was um one thing one of my like i don't know what else to say i think it i was appreciative of the fact that i think there seemed to be so many different types of people there though so i even though like lauren was saying there's a bunch of niche audiences oh so it becomes diverse and john's interested all of a sudden (laughs) big surprise (laughs) (laughs) oh this is a woke comic book i better read it (laughs) no i think i think one of the things definitely not a woke comic book very white (laughs) yeah Um, there was matthew patel (laughs) 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 knives chow Um, and you know the common stereotype that Indians are into Bollywood pirates. or whatever it was, yeah, <laughs> pirates. <laughs> but I, I think what was interesting about it was like, yeah, you had representation from those different fandoms, but it also just seemed there were people who were just like not necessarily particularly part of those scenes, but just had a deep love of Toronto and a love of what this culturally meant for Toronto. And so, um, so yeah, I thought that was cool. I was quite confused that there were three Knives Chow entries and only one of them was Asian. I didn't know how to feel about that, but, uh, yeah. Safe to say the Asian won, so that was good. <laughs> um. <laughs> Wait, not fuck that up. Yeah. Sweet, did you actually so, say how you so feel about the So your opinion on the movie? movie? <laughs> oh, okay, sorry. I thought you just wanted me to talk about Toronto. I, no, like, all of us can be cut out. You actually said you had a hot take last week, so how about Lauren and I go, and then we can yeah. go against you. <laughs> Do you want me to go since you're eating? Yeah. Um, let's see. Back when I first saw this movie, I really liked it. It was at Comic-Con. I don't remember exactly how it happened, but we somehow forced Edgar Wright's hand to show a second screening of it because he had originally only wanted to do one. But I remember the movie got a standing ovation because it was very much the correct audience to be seeing that movie with. Um, and yeah, I really liked it. Watching it again now, I've, I've, I feel like I've only watched it a handful of times since Comic-Con, but like I still like it. And as much as there are ways that the book is better, I honestly feel the movie's better in a lot of ways as well because... In the book, Scott Pilgrim is a complete trash bag of a human. In this one, he's a little bit better because they don't have as much space to flesh out just how much of a garbage person he is. But I will say the book probably handles the wrap-up better in like character growth and stuff like that. And it gives uh, it gives Ramona much more to do in the books. And Kim Powers has a lot more to do. Or Kim Pine, not Kim Powers. Who has the power? Julie Powers, that was it. It gives Kim a lot more to do. But, like, yeah, I still love the movie. I can never decide watching it if I like Michael Sarah as Scott Pilgrim or not. I think I feel like in the beginning, like, first 10, 20 minutes or something, I'm like, oh, this is not your role. But then, like, whenever he's, like, more unsure of himself and just weird, it's definitely like, yeah, Michael Sarah is perfect for Scott Pilgrim. But, like, so, but I was trying to think of who else I would rather see in that role. And honestly, I don't know if I could come up with someone. Because I feel like there's a weird in-between. You need to find the person who's not too hot. Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> He's too pretty. Um, but you need someone who's pretty enough that people will want to date even though their personality sucks. <laughs> but, yeah, I think Amy said that but last night. She was watching the tail end of it with me. And she was like, why do all these people like him? <laughs> so it's like the only person I could think of maybe was like Dylan O'Brien or Adam Brody who could play both sides of it. Hmm. But honestly, I had too much trouble. So I was like, ah, if I can't do better than Michael Sarah, then he's fine for it. <laughs> no, I think yeah. he's great. I've, he, I I don't have any nitpicks with the cast. 
It's like it, Ezra Miller was someone I thought of, but again, he might be too pretty. <laughs> mm-hmm. Lord, did you uh, listen to the I Had My Lie episode on I it? I did, oh, but long, long time you know, he ago. He hasn't mentioned this in a long time, though, so I'm going to give yeah, you a pass. It's been like four episodes. <laughs> I feel like it's been more than four episodes, but I feel like it's even more, um, I don't want to say critical, but pertinent considering that uh, they're also from Toronto as mm-hmm. well. Um, so they have a unique perspective. But yeah, they were, they they absolutely did not like Michael Sarah in this role, which I thought was interesting. Because I think, I think I'm more where you are, mm-hmm. Lauren. The only thing that really bothered me was his hair. His <laughs> yeah. hair looked like His so hair is terrible. That was the other thing I was trying to figure out. Of the dumb. actors that I picked, it's like, who could wear a mop on their head? Hmm. See, yeah. you guys are all the reason he's wearing that cap all the time. Right? Um, that's one of the best jokes in the movie. Every time that hat shows up. <laughs> <laughs> But it, it like it's supposed to be like moppy, like it it legitimately kind of at times looks like Lego hair. <laughs> like it's just kind of like Darth Vader helmet <laughs> onto Michael Sarah and it just it doesn't look Yeah, I don't know. I am similar with Lauren that my like in my opinion has fluctuated on the movie. It's never like fluctuated. I don't think I've ever felt like it wasn't actually I probably can look this up based on Yeah, for me it's always been like four out of five and above, I think. Yeah, yes. I don't think I've ever gone below that. Uh, so I've logged it three times on Letterboxd. I've given it four and a half every time. I put it in my top 100 movies of the last 10 years. Um, I think if you listen, Ben and I discussed this along with Baby at Driver. Wor- and at and, World's End. And at World's End. And you'll least, I still need the, to see that. The one. Decade's Best podcast. I, I, think, um, I think The World's End is my favorite Edgar Wright movie. Oh, really? But this is... Yeah, I think this is my third I'm, favorite. I'm in the opposite end of that. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's the worst Edgar Wright movie. I'll watch it for Roseman Pike. Yeah, she's great in it for the whole like ten minutes she has. Yeah. I like this and Hot Fuzz about the same. <laughs> I would say, and then Baby Driver is in last. But again, I oh. love all of Edgar Wright's movies. Oh, that one. What, that Baby Driver's last it. for me, but unfortunately, it's because of a certain actor in it. <laughs> <laughs> but like Lauren, like I don't know. I think I've. I kind of, after Baby Driver, kind of was like, re, I, I even, I probably tweeted a couple things about it, but I think Edgar Wright, like female voices in Edgar Wright movies just weren't, they were considerably lacking. Not that they weren't non-existent, but it felt like, it always felt like he could use a female writer to like, in this movie, Ramona and, I've always been wavering on how much Ramona and Knives could have been blown out to be more fully rounded characters. And I think the... Having read the books doesn't help that factor since there was material there. Yeah, the books definitely handle the arcs better. But at the same time, I totally, I, I can totally appreciate like the bending of the last three books into an hour of movie time. Basically, like I think they did a good job to tell a mo- story that wasn't three and a half hours. Like to make a two hour ish movie, mm-hmm. I, I I totally can buy into that and see that. And I think. To finish out the point on right, I was really excited to see, not that it's not, we're going to see it eventually, but One Night in Soho, his next movie, which is a, a horror film, thriller. Uh, Anya Taylor-Joy. Woo! Yeah, with a female oh, nice. lead. He he actually co-wrote that movie with a woman, so I was really intrigued to see that progression. Because I really felt like Baby was a really slight character in Baby Driver. Well, I mean, and isn't that the main ha- character of that movie the car? No. That's Well, no, I mean, but I think... I think that kind of argument you can make here, and I think the books kind of put that too, is we are in Scott's head. Like, 
re- refresh my memory, but the movie, the books in the last book allude to the fact that like it's all fantasy, right? I thought I remember there being a couple lines referring to that we were in his head, and it's not a twist into the, the books or anything. It's just kind of like I it, it was no, just more it had of a something to. It has something to do with Nega Scott, but I can't say it because Ben okay. hasn't read it yet. Okay. Stupid so way man. to go, Ben, ruining our conversation. <laughs> screw you guys. I'm going to go read no, it later. screw you. Right? You're the one who screwed it up. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, watching it this time, like, I really did feel like we're in Scott's head. It And that's, while, yes, I'd love to see more Ramona, I love Ramona in the books that she gets more to do there. And like, like they even cut out um, Lisa. I mean, mm-hmm. Lisa oh, Sharon. hashtag justice for Lisa. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh. Hashtag, uh, well, justice for Gideon the cat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Natalie at slash envy gets a lot more to do in the books. Mm-hmm. Like the books, I appreciate more on that. But as a film, I could buy it as this is Scott's head. This is his perspective. And I think they do a very good job, a great job of selling that. And the the, the, the shortcomings on the the knives, uh, Ramona stuff, I can forgive because of that. And you can only tell so much story in, like I said, the, the two, two hours. Hour movie, yeah. I think the main complaint I still carry over with knives and Ramona, other than just not getting their full arcs, is just that like knives should not be fighting Gideon at the end. Like, it has nothing to do with her. Well, that has to do with them working around the original ending that they filmed, which was he ends up with knives, not... Well, I know, but, like, like, still, it makes no sense for her to beat the person who's been subjecting Ramona to mental torture. Yeah, but, I mean, it, at this point, she's fighting for Yeah, she's fighting Scott still she, she's point. helping she's trying to help. You're not going to convince me. It's not stupid. Well, <laughs> and, and, and I think it's, it's, a, it's a clever play on the writers and the directors to say, hey, we introduced this aspect of, like, video games and its influence early on in the movie, and now the entire movie has, for better or for worse, been playing out like a video game, so yeah. now let's have that same experience except in quote-unquote real life. And if you want Knives to fight for Scott, have it would get rid of one of the best jokes again in the movie, but have her help Scott fight Nega Scott. Yeah. <laughs> no, you can't change Nega Scott. That, yeah, that is... Nega Scott, like, <laughs> I want to say Nega Scott is much better in the books thematically, but joke-wise, <laughs> the movie wins. <laughs> but I, I think the, the only things that I really pick at with this movie, it just, like, while I like the ending that they came to, and I think, like, Knives' line of I'm too cool for you mm-hmm. gives her an arc of, yeah, she is too cool for him, and... Uh, I don't know, watching it this time, the ending really feels like two lost people trying to find a better way together in the end. And while, yeah, we couldn't have, we, I wish we got more with Ramona. Yeah, the, the neck thing feels completely contrived and like makes no sense and comes out of left field. Like, I think. Well, to the be ending... fair, a lot of, a lot of stuff in this movie does come out of left field. Like, yeah, Apparently, but I mean that more than anything. People who are vegan are Superman. That's just yeah, but that but I mean, yeah, have but, you ever I mean, heard of vegan talk? No, I'm that. just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, but one thing one thing I will say in in the book, Ben, is that it's a little bit more kind of you you get more in on the joke that like this is so contrived and so like stupid 
but it's like that for a reason. And mm-hmm. the resolution to that is also like kind of brought up in a frivolous, like so, a frivolous manner. So it's played I, more I, straight in the movie, but well, no, I think no, I think they're both equally played well. But I think the reason why it works is because the tone of those of those issues or those main points of the plot versus what Zach was saying about like the the chip or whatever like i don't know like it, it it it's it doesn't do it justice to take to treat a really critical character piece of the plot and just give it this kind of oh yeah it just feels like it was just written off kind of or like a deusek machina in the worst way possible i wish we could see the outline edgar wright was given about how the yeah. rest of the story was going to go I think O'Malley too didn't know how he was gonna end the books until, like I mentioned that earlier. Until, if I remember correctly, like an interview, like it was pretty late. He changed. He might have changed because he liked the way the movie ended up changing. <laughs> like they were, they were speaking to each other mm-hmm. partially in the final, as Wright was finishing the movie and O'Malley was finishing the books, the sixth book specifically. He was making changes based on what was seen in the the and the, doesn't the video game have an ending where they all like it's like a reset like they all get together in the end or something? Like yeah, the video, the video game has <laughs> the video game has multiple endings, and the ending I got when I played it was knives, Ramona, knives, Ramona, and potentially Kim, and maybe Envy all end up falling in love with Scott. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <my>. <laughs> <laughs> ben, you said you never got to play the game. I didn't. So I did. no. I didn't watch this movie till maybe 2013, 2014. Mm. Yeah, I'm part of the problem why this movie wasn't successful. Did I tell you to watch this movie? You didn't know me in, 20... in 2014. Oh. I did. Yeah, it was probably I, I saw it before that you. Like, you don't know me. Okay. <laughs> I saw it. Yeah, I saw it before. Bitch, I you don't know my life. <laughs> so maybe it was 2012, 20. Yeah, but it was. It was a year or two after, or a year or two or three after. Ben, uh, let me ask the hard question here. Did you see Expendables opening weekend? No. Okay, good. Expendables 3, one movie I have fallen asleep while trying to watch. (laughs) Expendables 3, yes. Expendables 1, no. All right, we're at 27 minutes and we haven't heard John's hot take yet. Go! <laughs> okay, so it's, it's not much of a hot take, but I think... I was going to say, I, like, say it's three gonna, out of five stars is not a hot take. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. But it's gonna it's probably going to be the most, I think, uh, impassioned point of view. And for the most part, I've agreed with everything you've said, you all have said. Like, especially Lauren, like, with Michael Sarah's kind of dizzying portrayal, which at times it's, like, perfect. And it, honestly... I think it's important also that they got someone from Toronto okay. or, like a, or from around Toronto to be in a film or in a story that's so Toronto-centric. I think that is important. Zach, you've mentioned the the character arc on Ramona and how they kind of just write off like sort of like the big tension in her life, which compared to the book and what's going on in the book is like like way more not I don't want to say serious, but just way more thoughtful and way more interesting. Yeah, Ben, if you if it, we we're, I think John whether he's talking around it or not, what what wh- why Ramona Ramona and Scott do part ways at some point over the thing in the way that she goes back to Gideon in the movie. And I think that actually kind of plays into why 
the what happens with Ramona in the books versus this stupid neck thing is why I think we might we all also don't can't really roll with that. Not that you're out here standing up for it with the weapon. No, or I mean anything, it's like but, it's it's yeah. definitely it's definitely like one of the weaker parts, if not the weakest, like yeah. story yeah. beats of the movie. Like it isn't it isn't for a movie that's so inspired and has all these great ideas, that felt a little lackluster. And if that's not what was yeah. in the book, that prob- the books that probably explains why. I also wonder how much of that was a reshoot kind of thing because they they needed some way like if the original if they shot the movie thinking that he was going to end up with knives you yeah. didn't need to have a reason for Ramona just walks away at the end and that's it you know like why while you we're had talking to have a reason ship, why yeah why is it that Scott Pilgrim saying that he cheated on Ramona why does that destroy the chip it, you it know makes reasons no sense. <laughs> No, it's when Knives kicks her. That's what. No, it's show. literally after I think he said he cheated on her. Well, I, will I guess watch it's supposed it right to be. Now. So, okay, so, so, okay, hold on. So I think just Let's just so finish. yeah, just because I think part of my qualms also, Lauren will like allude to that. But I first also want to say like a lot of what Ben is finding attractive in this film, and that all of us I think find attractive is. How this is such a unique film that's never really been done before. And it probably, um, it probably never forget. will be again because it it's the best so video hard. game ma- movie ever. I totally no, see sure. somebody, somebody also trying to make this into a show. It's like a oh yeah, like a, I feel a like mini series. This, this could or this could be like an animated like an animated like adult comedy kind of thing not like they def somebody did animate i think it was a test it was the um the there's Tim a pine story uh like he he talks about it in the movie where he punches the guy to see the curvature of the earth there is an animatic animation thing out there i, th- I don't know if it was a proof of yeah so, for a so show adult what, adult swim did it is a lead up to the movie yeah and allison pill michael Sarah, and then May Whitman. May Whit- Whitman. Um, Her? she voices. She voices Lisa. Um, so I gotta before before I forget, I gotta go into that. Actually, I didn't realize that was May Whitman until oh, the first time. this view as Roxy. Yeah, oh, this well, so this view. Well, do you guys? Oh, do you, that, Zach probably yes, gets it. Do you have you guys seen Arrested Development? No, but I know she dated so, him in it. So yeah. May Whitman plays a character who is that like is so, so forgettable. Anytime she shows up, <laughs> Jason Bateman's like her so the fact that i didn't recognize her in the movie for a decade nearly that is oh what about, what, God, i love this movie <laughs> what, one of my favorite running gags in arrested development is when jason bateman just keeps calling her egg <laughs> but the last line said to ramona flowers from scott before her chip gets destroyed is by like you're not a fat ass that's the line that does it <laughs> <laughs> To Ben's credit, I feel like this is the only time anybody's let May Whitman be like awesome, somewhat sexy. No, like hey, she's that's like, um, she's always like <laughs> that's all relative. No, but it, but that's true. But like she is usually like some the she's always just because she like was the, the duff in a movie, like a, <laughs> yeah, like a, a very very plain Jane the, kind of character. Yeah, and that that's ridiculous to think May Whitman is your dumb ugly fat friend or whatever <laughs> yeah but, that's what it is 
Her her fight is probably my favorite out of all the exes, just because of how bizarre. Yes, it is. let's like, go back to that. Let that's John definitely not how it happens we'll, in the we'll books. <laughs> so I think in I I was reading up about it, and I guess the term is called like transmedia, like or trans narrative media or something like that. So the idea that this can pull from and reference different aspects of culture, whether it's video games, like we were saying, or comic books, um, or movies and that sort of thing. And I think it's also interesting that minus the comic books existing for a long time, like we got the video game and the movie and the final volume to the comic book, like all out around the same time. So I think that's just an interesting testament to how unique of a story this is. And the way they bridge all those scenes and all those like um, interests and relate it to the like the lost years of a young adult, maybe like post college and trying to figure out like who they are and really grow up. I it it's a really beautiful story, um, especially when they talk about like sort of. Like, they, they flat out confront, like, Scott's, like, laziness or, like, lack of responsibility or, like, the fact that he doesn't have a job. And, and like, his he pedophilia? Like, <laughs> it's like, I like that the movie made him 22 instead of 23 as he is in the books. Like, that makes it better. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I will say, I think... Yeah, it's still, yeah, it's still not great. <laughs> I think there's... Maybe a sense of... Knives' dad is nine years older than her mom. She <laughs> totally writes it off. Um, I think there's a sense of like, well, that relationship wasn't even really serious sort of to begin with. Although it is kind of weird that throughout the entire rest of the volumes, like Knives is somehow still hanging out with all these adults. And it's like, what is going on? Yeah, and they Where are her parents? jokingly get her drunk and like... Yeah. Although I'm getting think getting also, like the shit beat out of her butt. Also, her Superman. dad shows up in the book. <laughs> yeah, her dad does show up. To which Scott yeah, he, tells him that he never disrespected right? his her his daughter. It's like, oh uh, yeah, you yeah. did a whole bunch. <laughs> um, I will say, like, that's an interesting part too. Is that like, um, all the supporting characters, both in the movies and the volumes, are incredible. Allison Pill, Tim the guy Tim who Tim plays Tim. Steven Stills, I forget. Um. Oh, we uh, Brad, uh, Kendrick, Mark Weber. Mark yeah, Weber. They, like, they all create such characters that are easily recognizable and easy, like, like deeply enjoyable to remember and that kind of thing. And it's the same in the books as well. But in the books, we get a little bit more of the development of those characters. Whether it's knives, literally growing up and graduating and like figuring out what she likes and what mm-hmm. her personality is and what her sense of style is and that kind of thing. Like that was another thing that was like really kind of fun and interesting to watch. I will say What's Ella Wong is probably the... one of my favorite performances in this movie though. Oh yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. It's and like so her and Larson I love. <laughs> there's just so much development affordable ex- exploration <laughs> yeah. of scathing. <laughs> Of the young adult, like, lost years about figuring out, like, who you are and what you want to do. And so much of that is also tied with, like, it, like this, the comic book series is a buildings Ramon in that sense. It's a coming of age tale. And it's great in the sense that it's not just Scott who's coming of age. It's Ramona who's coming of age. It's um, Knives who's coming of age. And they're all learning, like, what they need in order to be like the best versions of themselves. 
Well, what's um, interesting is, I know and, you're not saying this is a hot take, but I think everything you've said, the movie carries through. I don't, I just, I don't yeah, think I so. I think, and, par- and part of that is the fact that it's it, not it, as deep. It's, it's not as deep, but it's there. Yeah, but it feels like it's very tacked onto the end. I, I feel like, so the very end, I feel like one of the best messages of this book too is the fact that, um, the thing that like really makes you a good person or the thing that unites us all is like our shared empathy and our shared experience that at one time we all have been terrible, a terrible person. Speak for yourself. And it's not that you just forget it or write it off. It's that you acknowledge it. This movie does that. There's literally a whole scene about this. I think, I think, but it's, he earns the power of (laughs) self-respect. At the end, I was like, wait, why did he learn this about himself? It didn't feel earned to me as much. Yeah, I think, but I think that message though is about empathy and about how we relate to each other, not about necessarily self-respect. Um, and I think he when, literally apologizes for everything in the moment. And he also comes, yeah, he also like grows like, out with like, I, what I assume is like the worst version of him. He also says think, like to Gideon, he's like, I want to fight you for me. It's like, why? Yeah. Like, it's like that part turns everything that Scott needs to do into more of a, like almost, it feels like more of a self-centered pursuit then. And it's not because he less wants those like, coins, man. He doesn't have a job. <laughs> it becomes less about like being a better person, not just for you, but also for the people that you care about who are around you. And so, yeah, I think there's a lot of the medium or the just the the, the modalities of the comic book that the film adapts really faithfully. But I think the meaning and the message is not adapted very well, and it's it's very tragic because. I think the comic books are a great exploration, again, of empathy and selfishness and depression and self-identity and just all those things. And again, to a certain degree, there's not a lot that the film can do in only like an hour and a half, but also at the same time, like there's things like writing off Ramona's issues as just simply because well she has a chip attached to the back of her as I think unfair yeah but I think Ramona is lost in the beginning too and it has nothing to do with the chip like I I, I could see like yeah, I mean the beginning the beginning of the movie it seems like she's trying to find herself just as much as yeah. Scott is and, 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 she, and she's more aware of it than Scott is even yeah she's further along in the process yeah I I just I don't know I feel like the tension between like i think they real quick i think they change the tension in the book which becomes around like can either of them trust each other to to attention of like this is inconvenient for me or something like that like it like their fight at the uh right before roxy it becomes more about not, not like whether or not Scott was cheating on her or Ramona's going to dump him or that kind of thing. It becomes more about like, this is also like mo- so much baggage. Can we deal with it? Which is a valid kind of thing to bring up in a relationship for sure. But but it's, it's also it's also about Scott. And then we can go back to Lauren. It's about Scott being an asshole in that moment. Like Ramona is like, do you honestly think that's what I think? You know, it's like it's granted. Yes, it's we're not getting the Ramona's deeper 
thought. But that scene is about Scott being an asshole and not need, knowing what to do and not learning and being frustrated with the situation and taking it out on her. And yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I'm not going to disagree with you that it's fast at times and we get to an ending that might feel a little under earned. But I think if someone read the books and was as passionate about them as you are and then like tried to say it's not like they're taking the book and applying it to the the movie and there's none of those threads in the movie they're just bringing it from outside sources and applying it to the movie and the movie doesn't have any of those roots i think the root that like i I, every point you hit i felt like the movie had the roots and was thinking about that and trying to do the best they could to get that through even if even if it's not as successful as the book is or as deep as the book is um i don't know i and granted john i'm a couple of viewings ago i might have agreed with you more but last night i really felt like they did a great job of earning the ramona and scott ending of like hey we, we both don't know what's in front of us but we can go through this together and yeah ramona Orin. and then let's i don't remember what i was gonna say i was just scenes. gonna say the only thing about ramona that I ever got any sense that she was trying to figure out who she was in the book was that just she literally changed her appearance or like changed who she was physically and like just how she looked. But other than that, it's like her story just feels so weak to me because like, I mean, again, I can't really go too deep into it with the books, but there's just definitely yeah. more self-discovery and trying to figure mm-hmm. out who she is in that. And again, the movie has a garbage ending where she doesn't get to fight Gideon. <laughs> It's like, she should be the one fighting him. That would be good. That's true. But you could also say she's... She's just, like, laying down on the ground watching. (laughs) What are you you talking about? She makes them both girls. She had to... Yeah. (laughs) She she had to move... She had already moved past... In the context of the movie, if they were buying into the chip, she had already moved on past Gideon. That's why she's in Toronto. Like she's ready to move on from him, and no, for, she's for some she's trying to hide from him. Yeah. She's running away from him. <laughs> That's in the books. The books is more about her. She literally says from that him. in this movie. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I don't remember like, that. The way she says like she's hiding. Not that she's hiding, but she was running away from something. Yeah, but just because she's running away doesn't mean she isn't it moving on either. That she's not ready to move on from something. Maybe not a hundred percent, but. Like, Everyone I mean, has fair she points. Phys- like, she can't move on from him. That's the thing. Yeah. How could she want to if she can't? <laughs> yeah, but how, that's the thing, how too. Does I don't know if work? the chip becomes a, a thing until later. <laughs> yeah. It's the chip's problem. Because I don't think the chip comes into play until after... Every once in a while you I see don't... her grab her neck. But... Yeah, but that's not until the fifth... The, 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 the battle against the Katsunagi twins. I that's feel like it happens before she does then. That, I think. Does she? I think so, but I I'm not going to rewatch the movie right yeah. now to see <laughs> All right, we'll come back in two hours. Um, okay, so, I, I, though, okay, to put a pin on this, I think all three of us who have read the books, and I bet Ben, when he reads the books, will agree, it's a deeper, more rewarding experience. But it did but make me I'm hate gonna, Scott way more. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to hold that against the movie, though. Oh, for sure. Like, these are complaints yeah. of love. <laughs> <laughs> I think it shows, like, how, how much growth someone can can have like from being like you said lauren a trash human being who's pretty selfish and pretty childish even as a 22 year old um yeah um last thing about the book can we all agree that we wish the movie could have done the 
the Gideon fight in the style of the books rather than what we got. Oh, that would have been pretty cool to see. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of fights I wish we would have gotten to see from the book, but you just don't have the time in the movie. Yeah. For sure. Speaking of stereotypes, we could have had the Katanagi twins fighting with robots. (laughs) (laughs) But but to to that point, though, and I'll use this to... And John, if you need to chime in, you can. Just bringing boarding in our favorite scenes and fights and stuff. The Katsunaki sequence is, I mean, yes, it puts them, it takes, they, do they get taken care of pretty early in the book, if I remember correctly? Is is that book about them fighting back and forth? Or am Um, I remembering that? You keep talking, I'll check. Yeah, yeah, so they they uh, <laughs> I think they get taken care of pretty quickly. No, the so no, they don't. So they, it's this running gag with like, with like they keep building like bigger and better robots oh, that Scott it, somehow it, keeps it, fighting, it, and then they okay. realize what they think his actual weakness is, and Spoiler, they exploit stop. they exploit that, and it's it's amazing for character development, and it adds so much layers to friendship. <laughs> oh, it's so good, Ben. Go read the books. I will. But, I will. But 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 the they where the first three books are very much they interweave like them interacting with. I guess they're in the fifth book. No, are the, they in the fourth Kana, or fifth Kana, book? Yagi, tw- I can't say the name. The twins. It looks like they do go on for a while because there's a whole story with Kim. <laughs> okay. Well. They're not as focused as like um, what, what's um, Brandon R- Ruth Rouse's character's name? Um, oh, there are too many names to search through in this. Todd, Todd, <laughs> yeah, Todd. Todd. Oh yeah, like vegan the, Todd. that book is vegan. Todd is very much a part of that whole story. You know, like what we see in the movie is basically the length of the book, most of the book, if I remember correctly. So my long-winded point: the Katanagi twins, they take. A whole book where they're the antagonists and they bring it down into the best scene in the movie, if you ask me. One of the, probably the top 10 to 5 best scenes of the last 10 years, if you ask me. I think that base, I think not the base battle. I think that battle is one of the, huh? I said that's a bit overrated. Oh, I don't know. I absolutely love that. I love the song. Uh, Threshold. I love the scene. Oh yeah. I still like the Roxy fight way more. The okay, Roxy so fight is great too. I'm not gonna. I'm not taking anything back off. It's weird because my favorite my favorite fight is the Roxy fight, but my favorite scene is the fight against Chris Evans' character, but not the fight itself. <laughs> just everything Culkin just is saying Chris. on the side. Yeah, is I, I still amazing. Just, like I, 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 I want to like, have wow, his adopted wow, babies wow. and stuff <laughs> like that. That's it's hilarious. Like, <laughs> ask him what it's like to get a sloppy second. What's it like to get your boom? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's hey, you guys want a coffee? I still just like Lucas Lee saying good. action instead of the director. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, a couple of things real quick. I do agree with Zach, though. I I will say when I first saw this movie, I was just like, oh my gosh, this fight's maybe better than the fight in the books. Not thematically, just visually. It's it's arguably Edgar Wright's finest directorial moment. See, like, the, op- the editing, the visuals, the... It, it, everything just works incredible. Like I, I love Scott, Scott in that scene. He's so pissed off and intense, and uh, I love it. I still so, just I, think the thing about that scene is the only thing, like the thing that stands out the most for me, is when you see them spin off on wires when they get hit by the 
song yeah. of life, no, which just looks so, so bad funny. to me that I, oh it ruins it for me. It's like that it just looks so, so comical that I just can't. <laughs> I I think um, it's that damn wire food that got Lauren again. Yeah. I think. I think also one Charlie's of the Angels, this was not. With the Asian characters, man. Like, one of the things Japanese. that's great about that scene, too, is it's emblematic of this idea that as a young adult, especially who Scott is, where comic books and uh, video games were such a big influence on him, he's viewing everything, all his big struggles, within that frame of reference. And it has to be within that frame of reference or else it doesn't seem like worth his time. So he's willing to do all these like stupendous acts to like get Ramona because it's like a video game. But like in the book, if he has to get a job, it's not like a video game. And there's even a joke about like when he he finally does, he like compares it to a video game or something like that. And I think that's really interesting and and also a, a cool commentary on what it's like for a young adult of that generation to just grow up when they're so, when they expose themselves and they immerse themselves so much in media that is fantastical and larger than life and gives them a sense of adventure. Also, thankfully this was all made before. If you made this now though, Scott is such a toxic masculinity gamer game. Oh no, for sure. Asshole. Yeah. Like if this was made 10 years later, like you, if you release this book now, you would not believe that he is this, sweet and innocent guy as easily yeah. as you would have 10 years he's ago he's not a sweet sure. and innocent guy <laughs> but he yeah but like you could you would connect the dots though between yeah he someone of this person this little puppy dog guy i yeah. did not I, you just blended together i didn't get either point you were making <laughs> i'm just saying he thinks he's this little sweet puppy dog guy well of course he does he's an idiot i know <laughs> well and he is. And again... I can't wait for the Scott Pilgrim Discord as Ben reads the books, by the way. I, I, I love that this idea of an unreliable narrator is... Like, I think it's explored using, like, the elements of introducing the fight sequences and the video game references and that kind of thing in the movie, but it's more thoroughly explored and explained um, in the books. But also, yeah, we know you like the books better. But also, the, when we were talking about the music, probably like, two stars better. To quote Como yeah, in the movie, the book they, was better. They got they got <laughs> yeah. so many stars from music to contribute to this too. Like it's a mm-hmm. it's an ensemble, a star studded ensemble cast. Um, granted, like Brie Larson and Chris Evans weren't as huge as they are now, obviously, but still. I'm so bummed that the soundtrack didn't have Brie Larson's version of Black Sheep. Yeah, I'm yeah. still bummed that doesn't exist out there. But not that the metric version isn't great, but I want the other. No one was. And there's something I, I want to say this before I forget to. Something I was I was thinking about when I was watching this over the weekend is there are very few books or book series I feel like that are adapted into successful movies and then successful video games. Like, the only thing I can think of that had, like, that kind of level of everyone liked all of it was probably Lord of the Rings. I mean, which... these days, 95% of movies are based on books. <laughs> yeah, but then they get a video game spinoff that is just, like, Okay, that's true. Normal garbage. people isn't going to get a video game. <laughs> <laughs> if only, though. Just a lot of right? fucking. Just yeah. a lot of fucking. Oh, yeah. They're... No, you know what? It does have a video game. Like, aren't there, like, virtual reality, like porn things <laughs> oh no i um. would not know 
course you wouldn't, John. Ben, of course why, you wouldn't. Ben and Lauren, why is the Roxy fight your favorite fight? It's just the choreography of it's just so fun. Yeah. The yeah. choreo yeah, and then it's also got a lot like some of the best lines in it, like, you know, I was a little bi curious, now I'm a little bi curious. <laughs> yeah, it's like, like, yeah, really good. That that I, line I makes Mae me Whitman's laugh. Weird southern accent too. That she, she does it. She only does it really for one line, yeah. and then the rest of it, I was yeah. like, is she doing it or not? <laughs> and then like, what is it? Your BF's about to get effed in the Like just oh, just like the slow mo talking. It was just a phase. You had a sexy phase? <laughs> and, and Scott, Scott, like, you know, kind of being weird. Like, he's interested in it, but then also grossed out by it. Like, when he's like, how do you know about the ankles? And it's all in slow-mo. It's like, okay, stop. <laughs> no, That's enough. <laughs> like, like that whole, yeah. And I mean, I guess it's, it is also because, like, Ramona gets to actually do something, which is one of the biggest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she gets to like, give some. No, he does it. Never mind. Well, I, I just to give someone like, an orgasm. That hammer, that hammer is so fucking in, rad that in, she just like, pulls defense, out of her purse. The knee like, is in my top four erogenous places. <laughs> <laughs> We're learning so much about you. VR, <laughs> knees. <laughs> I still think, I love that. I think the like it that one has a lot of my favorite lines. And then I think my other favorite line is just when um Brandon Ralph goes, she dusts. <laughs> About the maid. <laughs> she dusts. Well, and I mean, also, like, the the, the cameo from uh, Thomas Jane and, um, shit, I'm dropping. Captain Collins Jr. Yeah. yeah, like, as, like, the, the vegan cops, like, yeah! amazing. Yeah, and they're, like, high five in the background, like, as they're going back to the car. Yeah. Like, like, chicken's not that... vegan? <laughs> <laughs> and the the thing is like I almost like wrote bar, this bitch. on my I almost wrote this on letterbox but it's like my favorite line in Scott Pilgrim is whichever line I heard most recently and that's kind of what it's like every like every joke every yeah. comedic beat in this movie lands and it yeah. lands it sticks the landing I was just gonna say I think the only joke that doesn't work for me probably because I hate the show is when they use the Seinfeld theme song or whatever oh my god I, I was about to say, as much as Zach loves the sequence versus the Katanagi twins, I love the joke that leads up to it, where it's just like, we're on at the same time? That's impossible. Actually, it isn't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Bill Hader gets a lot of good lines. Another name thrown out there. Wait, that was Bill Hader? Yeah. See, what? you say that, and in my mind, what? again, I'm like, there was a narrator? <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, it's close. Well, he's kind of a narrator. I would, I'd say it's easier to forget Bill Hader's narration because he's not as prominent as like Giovanni Ribsy was in Virgin Suicide. <laughs> Talking like, through the whole movie of Virgin yeah. Suicide. <laughs> you know what? People take away different things from movies. Okay. Most people tend to take away the narrator, though. That's uh, it's a, that's um, a big excuse- one. I think the most important thing to take away from the Virgin Suicides is the suicides. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> I think it's I think it's worth it to say I minus the Katanagi twins just because I think that sequence and that fight kind of overshadows it, but the performances of all the evil exes, again, we should say Chris Evans, um, Brandon Routh, Mae Whitman, um, whoever plays Matthew Patel, um, Jason Schwartzman, <laughs> like they all do great jobs at very like realizing their characters and making them come alive and having these unique personalities that are problematic and hurtful and just d-bags in their own little ways my 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 favorite line and thought it's 
arguably the most problematic, but it's when Knives Chow shows up and Jason Schwartzman just very dismissively is like, listen, Kung Pao chicken. Oh yeah, um, that was not great. <laughs> I just, I, but just yeah, the way he not... says it every time, I just die. It's like, you want you want to know how slimy he is? Like, that's that's the line yeah. where you can, like, because you, you hate him, but you also are kind of like, oh, God, that was funny. Fuck. <laughs> oh, I also just love, speaking of her, though, I just love the person. You punch the highlights out of her hair. Yeah. Or whatever yeah. it is. That's one of my favorite bits in the book, mm-hmm. too. And, uh, yeah. Chris, and I mean, like, a lot of the Chris Evans stuff, like, the where it's like, did you not know about the evil exes? No. Oh, it's okay, man. Let's go. Oh, that's a great. And he just like hits him. It's like you, you are a good actor. Like, (laughs) (laughs) also, like I think it was so refreshing. Also, after seeing Chris Evans as Captain America and really embodying that character. No, he was. Was he Cap yet? Wasn't he Cap after that? He's saying since then he's seen him as Captain America. Oh, since then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, meaning, like, that's what he's saying. Yeah, because Iron Man was 2010. Yeah. But back back then he was just this, like, comedic actor, sort of, or just this, like. Yeah, like in rom coms. Yeah. um, And Fantastic Four, and Fantastic Four. But he just. Yes. He laid into the shtick really with the accent and with the look and with his eye. Like, his facial acting. His eyebrows. Incredible in this. And I was just like, he is such a good actor. Like, like he cannot be taken for granted. Um, what what was the line he said? Something like when it was like the commercial of him in that movie. It's like the next <laughs> next yeah. click you're gonna hear is like me hanging up. The one after that is me pulling the trigger. Yeah. yeah. God, that is so amazingly stupid, and yeah. I love it. Uh, like, yeah, not just was that a right invention national invention treasure. Or is that all of them. I think that's a right invention. Okay. Well. I mean, but, like, I always, like, before this, Chris Evans, for me, like, again, I saw him as Captain, I saw him as, like, as this guy shortly after. Um, but for me, Chris Evans, like, the first movie I saw him in was not another teen movie, and that, that is a very comedic <laughs> yeah, performance. Yeah, very different. <laughs> in a very different vein. Gotta but it was also, like... Bikini. <laughs> well, I just, I always imagined, or not imagined, but I always remember him having a churro in his butt or something, and I just, I, I remember thinking, it's like, God, this dude, this, this dude's Captain, <laughs> this dude is Captain America, how is that gonna work? And then so I he just, did it, he did it before MacGruber. Why are we doing that movie? By the way, it's the ten year anniversary. I don't want people to yell at me the whole time for not liking that movie. (laughs) It's so good. It's so stupid, but it's so good. Like you, you guys have much different taste in comedy than I do. (laughs) I I would like argue like uh, one of my coworkers like I told him about that movie. He's like, "How can you convince me to watch this? Looks so stupid." And I just relayed to him the line or the bit where. Uh, he's talking about why uh, Kunth hates him, <laughs> and it's just brilliant. And oh man, it is. Whew. Go watch MacGruber, people. Yes. Also, another shout out since we mentioned <laughs> Jason Schwartzman. Uh, go listen to Coconut Records albums, his solo project uh, as a musician. Great stuff. Okay, we've talked a lot. What do we miss though? I feel like we Aubrey we Plaza may, is great. Aubrey Plaza Aubrey is, Plaza great, is great. As always. Anna Kendrick you... is also really like she doesn't get a whole lot to do. No, but mm-hmm. she's great too. <laughs> I yeah, love the part when Scott goes in to see her and like she's already somehow made it outside. <laughs> yeah. <and> it's like, <laughs> <"Hi."> <laughs> Sorry, 
Well, that's that's uh, probably like the line. The line. What the line I remember most from this movie is like her talking to Scott. It's just like, do you see yourself having a future with this girl? <laughs> yeah. Like with jetpacks. It's like <laughs> that whole dynamic between the two of them is great. The line I think I quote mo- most is "Bread makes you fat." <laughs> oh, that is the best line in the movie. By the, way. the first scene she and shows books, up is maybe. when Wallace calls her, right? Yeah. And then yes. it's like asleep. Like that's no. Yeah. The second yes. time is when he's asleep. Oh, the first great. time is like he's like literally walking away, closes the door, and she. Calls How are you like, doing that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love I think, that part when uh, he's just when it goes back to his roommate and he just has the phone in his hand. <laughs> he's still sleeping. Like, well, I that, feel like this movie like really actually reinvigorated Kieran Culkin's career maybe because i i can't remember what he's been in before he's been working since he is like three years old i don't think it ever no this is fair i know what you're i know i know what you're saying but like i i would say succession is his apex i've not seen the show but i mean he's never been hotter than he is 2008 he didn't do anything really and like i think my favorite my favorite like gag in the entire movie is not a gag. Well, I guess it's a gag. It's just like when Ramona's leaving and just is like, you know, say goodbye to your gay friends for me. Wallace, <laughs> again? Like, yeah. so the implication that that's happened more than once just Man, kills me. This I movie fucking, has a lot of great exits. It. I like the exit uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead does when she comes back and she just has the list that's laminated like she just yeah. did. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, best, the best exit is Scott jumping out the window. Yeah. Yeah, like as much as actually you just missed it. Yeah, like as much as I wanna say that I like the books more in many regards, I think this movie, like as much as we talk about the pacing is a little off with like I mean it does the pacing isn't off, but like you don't get the full arcs that uh the brisk pace that we want, but like the way that this movie is edited and the pace is just done so oh, well. Like sure, transferring from sure. scene to yeah. scene, it's yeah. done so well. I mean Edgar Wright is probably one of the best living directors right now like so like it just if anyone could adapt something as strange as this i'd imagine it'd be him it's going to be really interesting it gave me a great segue point like i mean 10 years down the line i like i still like people discovering this movie it's probably i mean but like the people that in 10 years that are gonna be like discovering edgar wright like they want they love edgar wright's like two most recent movies and are like there's some young cinephile that's like, I want to. I'm just gonna go watch all of Edgar Wright's stuff, and they're not gonna look up what this fucking is. <laughs> yeah. When they get to the Matthew Patel scene, and they're like, "What the fuck <laughs> is happening?" <laughs> is is gotta be one of the, that's gonna be like, I can see the they yeah. they're, they're gonna get an experience that we couldn't have with this movie. And yeah, it's like they're like, gonna be like, I, "What I mean, the like hell ben, is this?" When he shows up, and then the demon hipster chick show up as well. It's yeah, because like, yeah. like, <laughs> like I saw ben, it, ben, I saw it. A friend of mine recommended it to me, and it's in that same vein where it's like he knows I like video games, he knows I like comic yeah. books, he knows I like retro style stuff. Yeah, he's like Ben, just so watch how, yeah, this movie. How blind were you to this movie? So you oh, knew like nothing about I, it. I, I saw like a snippet of Michael Tr- uh, Michael Sarah holding like the, the the power of love sword. Yeah, I was like, okay, whatever don't know why he's in an action movie but okay and then like yeah once patel shows up i'm just like the fuck is this movie i love it but i don't understand it i want to know like is there just because there's so much like 
Scott Pilgrim will make offhand comments. I don't know if he does it in the movie, but in the books, he'll talk about like taking a skill when he was younger or something. It's like, is there a school yeah. <laughs> that they all go through where they learn how to fight or what? <laughs> no, well, like, and again, I think that's just a very clever kind of commentary on his RPGs. Yeah, well, I mean, on the one hand, it's like I want the backstory, but at the other time, I don't want yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, it's a, but it's also a commentary, I think, on his uh, distorted perspective, right? And how he's viewing everything, maybe That's through true. this lens of RPGs. So what you're video saying games, is kind of this thing. movie is a lot like 300. <laughs> well, what's what's interesting too is there are there's actually there's a, a whole genre, and it's oversaturated at this point of of anime. Where a character is sucked into like an RPG-ish world, so it's like a regular world setting, but they level up, they have skills, they acquire abilities. It's Ready Player One. <laughs> but this, uh, yeah, yeah, but it's just it's like, but instead of like them being in a game, it's like they're actually the game. There, it's real. You know, they died. Yeah, you know. But it's, uh, I think the first one that started is sort out online, which was great for the first season and a half, but. Um, it's just, it's weird. Like, I feel like, again, Scott Pilgrim was ahead of its time in that regard. Mm -hmm. And I think I remember reading that Edgar Wright said that he wanted this to be like a musical. So just the fights instead of musical numbers. So it's like, in that sense, it's like the rules are, there are no rules. (laughs) (laughs) Between the fights and the actual musical numbers, Mm -hmm. it is basically paced like a musical. Yeah, it's got Uh, so much. John was waylaid a little bit when you're talking about the music, but like, um, he, like Beck is, um, sex babam. Mm-hmm. Um, metric is, uh, Clash of Demon Head. Has anybody played Clash of Demon Head, by the way? No. This was one of my old favorites on NES that I always really liked. It was a weird fucking game, though. But I, that, I, I, like, I knew this, these books were on my radar when I, um, when that reference came up. I'm like, oh, I've, I was I was Chris Evans as Captain America <laughs> in that moment. Uh, but it's like as you say, Beck was um, uh, sex bomb. Yeah, it's like the guy. They all I read that like they all learned to play their instruments. Yeah, yeah. except like the quote that I read was something like, um, "Who are Allison Pill, uh, Johnny Simmons, and uh, Mark, Webber, Mark Webber?" Like all had to learn their things. It, it, but then like Michael Sarah already knew how to play bass, so he had to like dumb himself down so he wasn't too much better than everyone else. <laughs> <in the band. laughs> Well, Aww. and I think also a couple members of Broken Social Scene did some significant writing credits for this as well. I think they did the Crash on the Boys song. Oh, that who be, did yeah. so sad? Yeah, so that those songs there. we didn't even talk so about those sad. songs. <laughs> it's not race, guys. Got this one goes out to that asshole on the balcony. I love that. Their their drummer's a girl or whatever her line was when yeah. Allison Pill says that or Kim. <laughs> is that is that drummer boy too? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> One of the best directorial flourishes in the whole movie is Mark Weber screaming at Scott. Yeah. But you, like but you can't hear it, you know, like at the subtitle. Like that's one of my favorite bits from the movie. Mm-hmm. And, he, yeah. Mark Weber does an amazing like he, yeah, he again lays into that shtick of being this anxious guy who's like so concerned about the music and his, his band or his whatever. Best, his best bit of the movie though is his reaction when he pees it points to when he gets the record <laughs> deal, he's like <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I love the part with Johnny Simmons where um sort of young Neil when they're listening to Clash at Demon Head and after the song he's like they're you should hear yeah, them live or whatever <laughs> he's also amazing in the his first bit where knives sits down next to him she's like what do you play yeah like, 
Well, that's a big question. <laughs> <laughs> he's really, he's really great. See, also, I feel like, like his. This is a side note. I feel like his hair was more akin to Scott's hair than Michael's yeah, well, hair. Yeah, I mean, was. as I was watching it, I was kind of wondering if he would have made a good Scott. <laughs> yeah, but actually, Johnny Simmons is our young Neil. It's getting an actual haircut to try to look like Scott's hair, where Scott's cutting his own hair, so it works that <laughs> yeah. his hair is a better version of what Scott's hair is supposed to be oh, like. Speaking of mimicking hairs, though, I, I love the part where Ramona and Knives are in the bathroom, and like, Knives just looks yeah, at her, so and Mary, when she turns to leave, she's just like, okay. <laughs> no, she's no, so she says, weirded out hell? by it. And then when she comes back to or she's like, what Michael Cero, yeah, one of Sarah's best reactions is when he like like he goes what the like he's at the bar he like does this weird thing and then we get the amazing line to, I, I think ben's right about every the most recent line is the best line because uh i'm gonna pee on her break gotta break out the l word man Lesbian? so what, I, based on john's reactions to us basically recounting the movie it sounds like you need to change your fucking score from three no. stars you son of a bitch I, I it's, three and a half. it's three and a half um <laughs> oh come on man i will say one of the also biggest mindfucks of this movie is the fact that ellen wong was like 31 and was what, yeah, what? she was, she was like than... no she was 25 yeah she's not 31 okay. no way she is she is older than michael sarah though by like three years that's crazy. No, she was born this in eighty five. Like, what's, so. what's her face in Gilmore Girls? Oh yeah, she, who's Lorelai's? Who's Lorelai's best friend? Um, oh, Melissa, Melissa McCarthy's character. No, no, not, or, or Rory's best friend. Sorry. Oh, um, I can't. I don't know her name. Yeah, oh, she, she is she's like currently way, oh, that's in, right. Um, yeah, 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 Alexis right, Bardell. Right. Yeah, what? Yeah. What's that, Ben? What's that show we like with uh, the dad who's a serial killer? <laughs> Wait, the Michael with Sheen Michael show? Sheen, Prodigal Son. She's in that. Oh yes, oh, okay. yes. She's Duh. like she's the. Um, Sorry, you threw she's me the, for a loop there for a oh second. My God, my brain has suddenly <laughs> turned off. She's the person who does autopsies and stuff. Oh, she's also she was in Thirteen Reasons. Oh Why yeah. Hmm. I also got a shout out. I I think the opening credit sequence is incredible. Oh, it's so good. Like, oh yeah, yeah. The oh, retro like, Universal the, Studios. Like, oh, but also the, like the, the logo launching comes into in, it. The Universal the, logo. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. the Universal logo is great. But I mean, that's my favorite song. We are Sex Babam is my favorite song from in the movie. Um, and I think uh, I like Threshold can, a little bit better. But I mean, like the the whole soundtrack is great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then uh, watching Michael Sarah during that scene too, where he's like writhing like a fish or something or making like yeah. these weird movements. It's just, it's, it's a little like, that's the other thing about this movie is that there are little details like that and little flourishes mm-hmm. that the characters like play up that end up rounding it out and making it that much more interesting mm-hmm. and vibrant. Yeah. Lauren also mentioned earlier, Brie, Brie Larson. We couldn't think of her name earlier, uh, even though she's technically the most uh, prestigious actor. <laughs> yeah, that the came only out of this Oscar girl. winner. <laughs> but she like does an amazing. She is amazing. I in love her the voice she does. A, yeah, yeah like, the, for the, she for is the so amount of time good. she has, like, and the impact mm-hmm. she makes, it's. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that too. When he looks over and she's just standing where her poster is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, like, it's like a scene from Conjuring Two with a nun. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Well, no, I love I love at the end of that fight though, um, when they walk away from Todd, where Julie Aubrey Plaza comes in and says something, and Brie Larson she goes from looking like, like shocked to just like 
Shut the fuck Shut up, Shut the fuck Charlie. up, too. <laughs> Yeah. Did you guys, did you guys see Aubrey Plaza's uh, tweet when they were, po- when uh, they were doing the rewatch? Uh, Edgar Wright was doing the rewatch? I mean, she had a bunch. I don't... Well, she, yeah, like, I the don't... one, the one I love, she just posted, I said fuck! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Great movie. Don't listen to John. He's holding the book against the movie. It's not fair. He'll be four <laughs> yeah, stars, four and a half before we know it. They hadn't written it yet. <laughs> that's gonna do it for scott pilgrim versus the world obviously this is the longest podcast we've done in a while uh we are all four fans here whether our scores reflect that or not on the movie um uh, so troll hunter next week and uh until then i'm zach oldenburg you can find me wherever you can find at zach oldenburg you can find us at middleofrow.com rate and review the podcast apparently it helps I'm Ben Grigsby. You can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at the Grigsby Bear, and you can find all of us on Facebook at Middle of the Row. Mark Zuckerberg sucks. I'm Jonathan Rahul. You can follow me on Twitter at another Rahul J. You can also follow us on Twitter at Middle of Row. And I'm Lauren Heimbaugh. You can find me on Twitter at Beware of Trees, and you can find us on Tumblr at middleofrow.tumblr.com. Thanks for listening. Go watch Troll Hunter. And remember, the best seats are in the middle of the row. Hello again.